Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. A second scripture lesson from the New Testament book of Romans. I'll be reading selected verses from the 11th chapter. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Just as you were once disobedient to God, but have now received mercy because of their disobedience, so also they have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has imprisoned all in disobedience so that he may be merciful to all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'd like to begin this sermon with an announcement. If you received an email from me last Monday morning requesting a $25 Apple gift card for some kind of emergency, please disregard it. It didn't come from me. Someone somewhere invented an email address using my name took my picture off our church's website, added my smiling face to the address line, and sent an email to multiple church members requesting a $25 gift card for a pastoral emergency. What kind of pastoral emergency requires a $25 gift card from Apple Music? I don't know. The scam didn't make any logical sense, but... Attaching my name to the scam gave it enough credibility that more than one person went to the grocery store to buy me a gift card to Apple, which infuriated me and made me feel guilty for something I hadn't even done. It happened on Monday, so I've been fuming about it all week. I've been thinking about how not only did someone try to take advantage of the members of this church, people who I love and care about, but they used my name to do it. Don't try to take advantage of the members of this church and don't use the name of one of their pastors to do it. That's just wrong, yet effective. To use a name gives the deception a level of legitimacy. To use a picture makes the scam harder to ignore. To hear from one of your pastors, I need your help, inspires your compassion, or maybe it obligates you to do what you wouldn't have done. So to use my name or your name in vain violates an important standard of ethics in human society. It elevates the crime to manipulation. More than that, to use the name of the Lord our God in vain violates the third commandment. Thou shalt not use the name of the Lord your God in vain, the third commandment says. Have you ever wondered why this commandment is so important? 
Think about it with me this morning. If it made me angry to hear that the members of this congregation were being manipulated using my name, how do you think it makes God feel when people do even worse things in his name? To get to the heart of our second scripture lesson, consider with me this morning what has been done in the name of Jesus. Here in Paul's letter to the church in Rome, the apostle asked, has God rejected his people? By no means. I myself and an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, God has not rejected his people. Paul is talking here about the Jews and in the second scripture lesson, he is instructing us and in how we are to relate to them. What he's saying is that God has not rejected them. However, for generations, Christians have. When civilizations needed someone to blame, to revile, to slander, to oppress, to discriminate against, that's who they chose. Worse, these Christians did so in the name of Jesus. A tour of the... Jewish Quarter in Venice, Italy might feature Europe's oldest ghetto. In Venice, it happened first that Jews were confined, literally locked in after the sun set beginning 500 years ago. But anti-Semitism didn't stop there. We remember in Spain where she had her inquisitions lasting nearly 300 years where Jewish people were tortured, imprisoned, and exiled by order of the church. Such anti-Semitism hit its evil apex, but unfortunately not its end with the concentration camps of Germany. So as we remember how Christians have related to Jews, let us not forget the lynching of a Jewish man right here in Marietta, Georgia, just blocks from the big chicken. Right here in this town and across the globe, people have been demonized, judged, and murdered by Christians in the name of Jesus. How do you think Jesus feels about that? We Christians must think about what we are doing all the time. We must judge our actions in light of what Scripture mandates. But especially, we must take time to think about what we do in the name of Jesus. For when we invoke the name of Jesus, there is a certain kind of power that lends itself to our actions. And so, generations of white Christians have grown up believing that Jesus had blonde hair and blue eyes. Friends, as you well know, we follow a Jewish man and call him Savior. Yet when Miriam Ferguson became the first female governor of the great state of Texas in 1924... She was famous for saying, if English was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for Texas school children. <laughs> Anti-Semitism makes about as much sense as that statement. It doesn't make sense now, and it didn't make sense to the Apostle Paul then. So when Rome decided to push out the Jews from their city, 
and Gentile members of the Roman church were moving into their vacated apartments, he included in his letter to the church there this reminder. Just as you were once disobedient to God and have now received mercy, so they have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they may now receive mercy. That's a beautiful quote from Scripture, but what does it mean? What is Paul trying to tell us this morning? Here's the problem with the Apostle Paul. To understand what the Apostle Paul is talking about, you have to go to seminary for three years learn ancient Greek, take a bunch of theology classes, and after all that, maybe you can understand about half of what he wrote. He wrote the book of Galatians, which is five pages long, yet I own a commentary on the book of Galatians that's more than 500 pages long, and that's not including the glossary at the end. If a book has a glossary at the end, it's writing about something that's hard to understand. The Apostle Paul is hard to understand. It's not easy. However, if you know a little bit about him, learning his background and who he was, his important words are easier for us to grasp. The Apostle Paul was a contemporary or near contemporary of Jesus, though he wasn't one of his disciples, at least not while Jesus was alive. While Jesus was alive and as his teachings began to spread after his resurrection, Paul, the Jew, made his living persecuting Christians. When one disciple named Stephen was stoned for following Jesus, Paul held the cloaks of those who stoned him. And the fledgling Christian community found out about that. Known by the followers of Jesus as a persecutor of the church, Paul's name was synonymous with oppression, murder, and discrimination. Yet... When Jesus blinded him and called him by name while he was walking down the road to Damascus, the church showed him mercy. That's the hallmark of Christianity. Mercy. Why? Because while Jesus was alive walking this earth, that's what he did. He showed people mercy. He came not to judge the world, but to save it. He was the embodiment of God's love. He made known the joy of salvation. He made the lame to walk, set the captives free, helped the lost to find their way again, and told the sinners to sin no more. That's what he did. And I am one who was saved by his mercy. So are you. If we stop offering people the mercy that we receive from him, have we forgotten what he gave us? That's Paul's point. If we stop offering to our neighbor the mercy that we receive from Jesus, have we returned to that prison he set us free from? If we as a church stop offering God's mercy, has God's mercy dried up from within us? Now maybe you, like me, sometimes get, get worried about 
people I see wandering around. You know, we sit in this great hall for church service and people are just walking past on the sidewalk. We don't know where they're going. We don't know who they are. There are many people in our world today who seem like sheep without a shepherd. We read the news headlines and we worry about the morality of our nation. We worry about communities falling apart. What are we to say? What are we to do in our world for those people who do not know who Jesus is? What are we to do about all the broken people? What are we to do about all the lame and the lost? What are we to do about those people who seem good but don't know who Jesus is? If we are going to do a thing in Jesus' name, if we ever aspire to make his name known on this earth, then we must remember what it was about him that drew us to him in the first place. You might know that I grew up here in Marietta, Georgia. When I was growing up here in Marietta, all the churches had these great big youth groups, dynamic youth group leaders. Back then, the Methodist church would have these altar calls. It was like a Billy Graham crusade, especially during the summertime. I went to the youth retreat one summer, and I heard that preacher calling me to leave behind my sins and to follow Jesus to avoid the fires of hell. So I did just that. I, I left my old life behind. I went down to the altar. I prayed the sinner's prayer because I was afraid. I was scared into salvation. Only then I got back home and I started to feel like I was slipping back into sin, that I wasn't pure enough. So when I had the chance at another altar call, I took it. Only the same process happened again, so that I've now been saved six or seven times, my friends. <laughs> always, always hoping to be worthy. Always reaching out for Jesus. Then one day I heard a preacher say that all this time, Jesus has been reaching out for me. That's mercy, being loved by Jesus and following because he loves you is very different from following Jesus because you're afraid of what will happen if you don't. Still sometimes the church scares people in Jesus' name, the church condemns people in Jesus' name, the church talks about people in Jesus' name. I wonder if sometimes the church is scared of failing him. Are you scared of failing him? My friends, we are going to keep on failing him. I fail him all the time. Yet he keeps on reaching for me. One of my favorite people to have lunch with is a rabbi named Larry Cernovitz. I invited him to our monthly clergy breakfast years ago. The first one was on Zoom around Easter time. I moved the conversation to Holy Week at our various churches, and so was having four. Uh, so, so and so was having four services on Easter. Somebody else was having an Easter egg hunt. 
I noticed that Larry hadn't shared what, what they were doing and not thinking about why he didn't share what his Easter plans were. I, I asked him, Larry, what are y'all doing? And Larry says, well, we're certainly not having an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> As our group felt comfortable enough to meet in person, the first in-person gathering of this clergy group was at Roswell Street Baptist Church where breakfast casserole was served. Larry asked if there was pork in the casserole. Well, there was bacon in one and there was sausage in the other. I'll have fruit, Larry says. Later, wanting to be a little more thoughtful, I invited Larry to lunch here and I ordered salads for us both to eat. Chicken on the side, hold the bacon. Well, the salads came with the chicken and the eggs on top and Larry, he can't eat the meat of the mother with her chick. That was strike three for me. <laughs> and all this time, you might be wondering if I ever shared with my friend Larry the good news of Jesus Christ, if I ever preached to Larry. What I want you to know is that again and again, as I put my foot in my mouth, Larry shared God's mercy with me. What are we to say about all those in our world who don't follow Jesus? What are we to say about the Jews? What are we to say about any group society reviles and discriminates against? If we are to do something in Jesus' name, it had better be show them mercy. The same mercy that Jesus keeps on showing us. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.